Well, good morning. Oh my goodness. Come on now. You know I'm a former youth pastor, so we got to do that again. All right. Good morning. Oh, that was much better. All right. Well, glad you're with us this morning. Uh, my name is Ray. For those of you who don't know me, uh, one of the pastors here serving alongside you. And a couple things that I want to talk to you about real quick, all right, before we get rolling this morning. Uh, the first one is this. We have our On3 series that's coming up that Morgan was just talking about, okay? And we have some invites on the back table. And the reason that we have those is we want to encourage you, if you have some friends or family that you know that is a family, right, uh, we want to encourage you to come and be a part of this series, okay, or you invite them to come be a part of this series. Uh, And so there's a little invite on the back. It says uh, you're invited to family worship. And then on the 18th and the 25th, we're going to have everybody in here, all right? It's going to be mass chaos. It's going to be wonderful and beautiful as the church should be, all right? And so we're all going to be in the same room, and uh, it's going to be a great time. Uh, Again, we'll have some stuff to entertain your kiddos and different things, but um, it's going to be cool to have us all in this space. It's going to feel, I think, full, so it's going to be fun in that way as well, all right? The other thing I want to talk to you about that's coming down the pipe, okay, it's going to be in September, so you got a little bit of time to get ready, all right, but is our Financial Peace University that we're going to be doing. And so here at our campus, we're going to be offering two different groups or classes, okay, so nights, all right? But here's why I'm telling you this now, is because it's going to be a little bit of an investment if you want to be a part of that, okay? And so the cost is $99 for that, and it's going to give you all your materials plus access to, like, the Financial Peace website, okay? And the Every Budget, or Every Dollar Budget uh, app, okay? Now, that app itself is like $120 if you just get the app, all right? So you get that included in this whole like pack, all right? Now, we're not making any money on that. That's just, that's going straight to your materials and stuff. The reason I tell you that is this, okay? If you don't have $99 hanging around, you have some time to find that $99, okay? It's going to be a great investment. In fact, I did a little bit of figuring, all right? And I took the average Starbucks drink, okay? And if you didn't, if you could just withhold Starbucks for the, for the next month till we start that, all right, you would have your $99 if you bought one like every five days. I don't know how often you drink Starbucks. Anyways, all right, so five days a week, Starbucks, you would be able to pay for that class. But here's the thing, okay? I want you to look at it in this way. It's an investment, right? You're making an investment because as a staff, we've been walking through it and going through it. And man, it's been eye-opening really to just see like what you, the junk you spend money on really is what it's been for us. Like, oh my gosh, you know, we spend that much eating out. That's scary. All right. And so, yeah, but I want to encourage you to be a part of that and to be uh, looking for that in the next couple of weeks. Okay. Sound good. All right. I'll jump off my soapbox now. All right. And I tried to do that gently, right? Because that's our, our topic today is gentleness and being gentle with folks and those around us. All right. And so as you were reading this week, we're almost there right? We're almost there on week 30, like one more week. Can you believe it? I can't believe it's August. Like we looked up and it's boom, it's August. Okay. Uh, But in this week, as you were reading, or hopefully you're still reading, right? You had your question at the front of the chapter and it said this, it said, how do I demonstrate thoughtfulness and consideration? All right. So how do I demonstrate thoughtfulness and consideration. Now, when we go back to the multiple topics that we have covered or the fruit of the Spirit that we have covered through this series, okay, today's idea of gentleness can really kind of be a replay of some of those things we've already talked about, right? So when we talk about patience, 
guess what? There needs to be some gentleness in our patience. When we talked about kindness and when we talked about goodness, like those things really are pretty close to this idea of gentleness. And even self-control a little bit can be played in there, right? Like in our gentleness, our self-control is then flexed a little bit, all right? But let's draw out this, this word that we're kind of talking about today, okay? So gentleness. So in Galatians 5, it's kind of been our guide through this whole series as we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, all right? And Paul, writing in Galatians 5, he gives this long list of all these things of the flesh, and then he says, but here are the things of the Spirit, all right? The Spirit being the Holy Spirit that resides within us, okay? And then he gives this list. And so chapter 5, verse 22 of Galatians, it says this. It's going to be up on the screen. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, okay? Self-control. And against such things, there is no law. Now, As we've been walking through these past couple weeks, okay, you've heard me say multiple times that when we look at this list, we see a perfect picture of Jesus and who he is, right? Like he he showed these qualities, he showed these fruit to the fullest in everything that he did. Now, if we have this mission statement here at New City that we want to inspire others to trust in and live like Jesus, okay, let me say that again and live like Jesus, then if these are qualities that exemplify him, then we probably want to have these things, right? We want to pursue these things, pursue these fruit. One of those being, again, that idea of gentleness, all right? So these are ultimately kind of our roadmap of what we could and should pursue through the Holy Spirit, all right? So here's the thing. When we get to this place of gentleness and we read through that list, right, It can be quickly overshadowed because we can say, okay, the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Like those are all great things, goodness, faithfulness. But then we're like, okay, kindness and goodness, those are kind of the same thing. And then we get to gentleness and we're like, okay, we'll just kind of skirt over that one, right? Because if I'm being, uh, if I'm being patient and I'm being kind and I'm showing people goodness, then yeah, gentleness should just flow out of that right? Gentleness is just kind of there. So gentleness can almost be kind of the, the forgotten fruit, if you will, right? We just kind of, we kind of miss it. But look here, even when we look at the definition of gentleness, we find other fruit within the definition of gentleness, all right? So here's the definition of gentleness. If you just go to good old Webster, okay? The quality of being kind. You see, there's kindness right there in the middle of it, being tender or being mild-mannered, Okay, now that's what we're really going to get into today is this idea of being mild mannered towards others, because ultimately when we look at gentleness, this is one of those fruit that comes down to how we respond to other people. Right, like how we respond to other people. Now, you may have gotten into your chapter this week and you notice that some of the passages that are in there are some of the same passages that we had with some of these other fruit. Because yes, gentleness plays into and goes right alongside these other ones, okay? But again, look at the definition, or the second definition of gentleness. It's the softness of action or effect, okay? So it's the softness that we come off with in response to how someone, if you will, comes at us, okay? So we can be kind, 
and we can show goodness, and we can even be patient. But when those things are broken, how then do we react? Well, we should react with gentleness, right? Or let's go back to our original question. How do I demonstrate thoughtfulness and consideration in my response? Okay? So this past week, we, went, we uh, drove down to Arkansas on our fundraising trip. We had a great time. We saw folks, all those good things, right? But we did a whole lot of driving. And by the time we were done, I was, I was done with driving. But on the way back, we had some friends that were actually in the hospital in Springfield. And so we went over, detoured over to Springfield. And then we're pulling out of the hospital there in Springfield. And this lovely black car decides that my lane is their lane. And so she just kind of merges over. And here she comes, right? And I would love to say that in that moment, I showed great gentleness, right? Like, I would love to say that. But here's what I did. I showed gentleness to my horn and held it for the next block, like behind her. And Abby's like, what are you doing? Was that necessary? I said, well, she knows I'm here now, doesn't she? Right? But like, here's the thing. We get in those moments, right? Our patience is broken. Our kindness is broken. But then we can still have this opportunity to have some gentleness in our response. Like when those things are done... Gentleness can be, should be, still present, all right? It wasn't definitely in the moment there as I was laying on my horn, all right? But here's the thing. Let me ask you this question just to kind of get you thinking as we start, okay? When our patience is at its end, is our gentleness still in play? All right? So when our patience is at its end, is our gentleness still in play. So when your spouse, your BFF, your coworker, your child, your boss, your family member has pushed all your buttons, okay, do you still respond with gentleness? Or is it like, you know what, the fuse has been burned and you're now at the bomb, right? Like the bomb is ready to just look out. What's at the end of your fuse? Is it gentleness or is it something Else, Because here's the thing, in our reading this week, okay, we had this scripture that was kind of our key scripture for the week, Philippians 4, 5, and it says this, it says, let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Now, let your gentleness be evident to all, and that kind of, as I was reading through that, I'm going, okay, here's the thing, if my gentleness is not evident to all, what is it then that is evident to all? Right? Like if gentleness is not the thing that's in that statement, what is it then that is evident to all? And it seemed like for me that when we look at that, it goes back to this list that Paul writes in Galatians 5, right before he writes the fruit of the Spirit, and it's the things of the flesh. And in that list, we see these things. We see hatred, we see outburst of anger, we see dissensions, which is basically disagreement that leads to anger, right? Like that then is what we are showing when we don't show gentleness towards someone. We're showing those things of the flesh. And man, when we get around folks who say or look at us and go, wow, you're a a believer in Christ, but your anger is out of control, or your outbursts are just nuts. Like, you have this tiny little bitty fuse and then a big bomb at the bottom of it. What are we showing them? Well, we're not showing them gentleness, are we? We're not showing them gentleness. We're showing those things of the flesh, the flesh that resides within us. Now, let's go back a minute for, um, let's go back to Jesus for a moment, okay? 
Let's go back to Jesus for a moment. As, as we said, we want to trust in and live like him. So let's look at his examples that he shows us, okay? And, and if you look at Jesus and just through the Gospels, you see multiple times that his buttons were pushed. Like any other normal person, like multiple times, Jesus would have just simply exploded. Like, or I would have simply exploded. Let's put it that way, right? And there's these moments where he is just being pressed and pressed and pressed, and all he responds with is gentleness. There is never outburst of anger, right? There is never hatred. It is always comes out and comes across with gentleness. And so like a couple examples that I, that I kind of brought, brought about, if you will, okay? So the first one is that we, one we see in our reading in the Believe book where Peter denies Jesus, right? He denies him, but what does Jesus do? He comes back with gentleness. He comes back with forgiveness, and he allows Peter to be restored with him. Now, imagine, or, you know, how many times does Jesus and his disciples, like, he's sitting there going, oh my gosh, really? Really? Right? Like, he is just... What are they doing? And so multiple times there he is pressed by his disciples. Multiple times uh, he, he sees these, these lawmakers and these Pharisees are coming up against him, pressing in on him, asking him questions about taxes, the Sabbath, his authority, right? And they're always questioning him. But what does he do? He always responds with gentleness. He always comes out of it with gentleness. Even on the cross, the thieves making fun of him. He responds with gentleness. His spirit is one that is always gentle. Now this morning, we're going to look at a passage that when I think of his gentleness towards those that are coming against him, this is like exemplified in just an an amazing way. All right, so we're going to be in John chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, and then we're going to look at this story here. And as you turn in to it, you may have heard it before, okay, but it is the one of an adulterous forgiven, or an adulterous woman is brought into the mix, all right? Now, let me give you a little bit of context, okay? Because right here in chapter 7, Jesus has proclaimed himself as the Messiah, right? He has said, I am the Messiah. And so now there's this division among the folks. There's this group over here that trust and believe that he is the Messiah, they're going to start listening to what he's saying, and they're going to start doing what he's asking them to do. There's this other set of folks that includes the Pharisees and the lawmakers, and they're going, you know what? We really need to do something about this guy. Like, we got to get rid of him. In, chapter, or in verse 44, it even says, we or those who wanted to seize him, right? Like, they had plans to get rid of Jesus. And then the leaders go to, shortly before this, the leaders go to the police and they're like, why have you not arrested him? Like, why have we not done something about this? And they're like, we have, we got nothing. Like, we have nothing. And so we see these lawmakers, these Pharisees, stir up something or try to stir up something to then bring Jesus ultimately down, okay, and to trap him as we're going to see here in this text. All right, so verse 2, here we go, chapter 8. At dawn he went to the temple complex, he being Jesus, okay, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center, right? Imagine the humiliation there. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery, 
And in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? Now, verse 6, they asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. You see, there's their plan. All right, we know what the law says. So we're going to go grab this particular woman who's caught in this act. And then we're going to put Jesus in a corner. Because ultimately, we need to stone her. So how is Jesus going to respond? And if he responds differently than the law, guess what? We have an opportunity. We can take him in. All right? So they have this great plan. And then here's what happens. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. And when they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. Now, when they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left when the, with the woman in the center. And when Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Then neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Now, here's the thing, okay? These guys have a plan. We're going to trap him. And then he brings it ultimately to them and says, okay, this, this is kind of on you now. Like, look at this, okay? And so some people say that he is, as he's writing in the ground, some commentaries say that he's actually writing out their names or writing out even their sins that they have committed. You know, I don't know. The scripture doesn't say exactly what he's writing. It just says he's writing, Okay, but here's the thing. In that, he then puts out this question. The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her, right? Now imagine the gentleness for a moment here. This gentleness that he is pouring out because here is this young lady, right? One of his created one, one that he loves and cares for and they are bringing her in as ultimately this pawn to get what they want. And his simple response is this one of gentleness. Okay, I need you to think about something for a moment. Right? Like, if I was Jesus in that moment, oh, it wouldn't be pretty. Like, what are you guys doing? You're nuts, you're crazy, you've lost your marbles. But he responds gently. And then, in verse 10, when Jesus stood up, or they leave, the men leave, and Jesus in verse 10, he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you. She looks around. Can you imagine? She's prepared to be stoned, right? So she's got her head probably covered, like worried about stones coming her way. And then she looks up and the only one standing there is Jesus and the crowd. And he says, neither do I then condemn you. Now, here's the thing, okay? Some people read that And they go, well, look at that abundance of grace that is poured out on her. Yes, there is an abundance of grace that is poured out on her. But we saw this even in this last season of The Bachelorette. I don't watch it. No, I'm kidding. Okay. But anyway, right? That grace was misconstrued. In other words, yes, there's this abundance of grace, so I will just continue to do whatever I need to do in my sin. But look what he says next. He says, no, no, go and from now on do not sin any more. You see? And so in his gentleness, he is responding with, as Jesus always does, with truth and grace. Right? There's truth behind it. Go and sin no 
more. Now, here's the thing. Does that mean that from that day forward, she's never going to sin again? Nope, but what he's asking her to do is step out of that sin. Do it no more, right? Do it no more. But his gentleness, look here, comes not only to those who are trying to condemn him, okay, but he also responds with gentleness to those who are condemned, right? So those who are trying to condemn him, but also those who are condemned. And in both of those things, look here, this is the beauty of the gospel, Like, this is the beauty of the good news of Jesus. You and I, we are ultimately set to be condemned. But Jesus steps in and he goes, no, 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 you're not condemned. In fact, I'm going to take the punishment that you deserve, and in that I'm going to give you then freedom. But it's because of what? It's because of his gentleness for your heart. His love, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, all those things of the fruit of the Spirit all come into play in the truth of the gospel and how Jesus loves you you. So awesome that he loves us that much. Now, if we go back to Galatians chapter 6, okay, right after this list of Galatians 5, Paul would write these few sentences. He says this, he says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any wrongdoings, you who are spiritual or you who believe should restore such a person with a gentle spirit. You see, Paul is looking to Jesus as the example. How does Jesus restore? Jesus restores gently through truth and grace. And Paul says, do the same with those that come against you. That brother that comes against you, restore them gently. Gentleness needs to flow out of us. Jonathan Edwards, okay, he's an early, early preacher of the 1700s. He's one of the leaders of the Great Awakening, like just an awesome, awesome dude. He has this quote that he talks about gentleness ultimately being kind of this, the idea of the Christian spirit, how the heart should be for the believer. And he says this, and he's pretty blunt, okay, so understand that as he says it. All who are truly godly and are real disciples of Christ have a gentle spirit within them. Right? They have a gentle spirit within them. And so through our gentleness, that then changes the lens of how we respond to those around us. In the, in the very end of the book, there was a little box there at the end, and, and Frazee, he puts it like this, and the best way to do it is just read it, okay? So he said this. He said, gentleness is rooted in our belief in humanity. When we see people the way God sees them, we are compelled to treat them well. A gentle person, according to God's vision, is thoughtful. They think before they talk or act. A gentle person is considerate. And they consistently put themselves in other people's shoes and then act accordingly. A gentle person is calm and they are known for their even temper and positive energy. But then he concludes with this. Jesus modeled this for us in so many of his relationships, right? And just in the events that have happened in the past couple days, you look at the gentleness of that person's heart and their view of human nature or who humanity is the word I'm looking for. And we see that it's almost countercultural, as many of these things are in Galatians 5, Right? They're countercultural to what the world is today and what the world brings out today. So imagine if 
there is a small group of people or even a large group of people as believers who come together and say, we will respond not out of anger, not out of hate, but we will respond through the gentleness that is within us. Man, how different would interactions look with those people around us through the gentleness that we show, all right? So to conclude, here's what I kind of want to wrap up with, okay, is this. What is on display in your life? Right? What is on display in your life? To put it into the scripture that we just read, let your gentleness be evident to all. So what is it that's evident to those around you? Right? And there may be moments, sure, that we, we fail, we lay on the horn, we let them know we're there. Absolutely. But on the majority, what is evident to those around us? What do they see and what do they experience? All right? So they're in your uh, bulletin. They're on the bottom. There's a couple questions if you have that and you want to write out a couple things. I would say, hey, let's write out the, the answer to that question, but then let's also write out the answer to this question. What is the Lord saying to you? Right? What is the Lord saying to you this morning? And then what are you going to do about it this morning as well? Right? But let's be a group of folks that respond with gentleness. Let's be a group of folks that come around other people and they go, wow. They have a little bit different reaction than most. And let's have a heart like that of Jesus. All right? Let me pray for us.